I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> In this episode, which was recorded live at the University of Denver, uh, David is interviewed by the incredible Alyssa Tundador of Eye to Eye. What is Eye to Eye? We're talking about it a lot. It's a national organization whose mission is to improve the educational experience and outcomes of neurodiverse young people while engaging them and their allies in the movement for a more equitable and inclusive society right? And we talk a lot about the Organizing Institute, or OI, and what that is, is Eye to Eye runs all these incredible uh, programs throughout the entire country, and they bring together all their young leaders for an Organizing Institute to connect, learn, and train for the upcoming school year. So Something Shiny was lucky enough to be invited and David has a long history with Eye to Eye. Uh, stay tuned. For more on Alyssa and on Eye to Eye, please check out our show notes. But really quickly, just giving you a shout out, Alyssa. She is the Senior Mentoring Program Coordinator at Eye to Eye. She's been there for six years. She was a volunteer there, then worked there the last two years. And she has uh, an attentive type ADHD, which was identified in first grade. And she works there because she wants to support neurodiverse young people in the way she wishes she had been supported when she was younger. Oh, I feel you, Alyssa. Um, so anyway, without further ado, here is the Fireside Chat. Hi, David. Hi. I'm so excited. I'm pumped. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of energy coursing through me at all times, but it's being directed towards you oh. in this room right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to know if you wanted to start with a little bit of your story. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about my story. I want to come really clean right away when I talk about my story. I was just thinking about this. This is the first time I've ever told my story sitting down without a tennis ball. And I'm going to squirm the whole time. You guys are good with that, right? Thank you. That's what I needed. Oh, okay. So my story, it has several different beginnings. And I think I have to start in like an origin place, like a comic book. You know, that's what happens. My first memory around my story is in like fifth grade. I am the kid in school with like the really messy hair that didn't like do the hair before school, who in like elementary school does, but like whatever, I didn't. Um, and I would write like pages and pages of stories. Um, no one could read them. They were not spelled correctly. And very quickly people realized that like David's quiet when he's writing in the corner, but we don't care about what he writes. And I was kind of left in the corner. 
fast forward. That's important. Zooming into my first year in graduate school, I'm at Northwestern University feeling like a fraud. I don't believe I should have gotten in there. I feel like if anyone actually knew who I was, they'd kick me out. Like, do they know that I failed a class in high school? Like all that stuff through my head. But I talk about being ADHD in one of my classes. And Alyssa, who was part of the eye to eye chapter at Reed, I'm, I can't believe I remember this, but it's Reed, said, oh, okay, you, you have ADHD? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like ready for the person to tell me that they're going to like fix me or they can do something about it. And instead, she's like, well, there's this thing called project.i starting where they're taking like college students with learning disabilities and they're putting with middle school students. Would you want to do that? And I was like, yes. So the first contract, like the first conversation I ever had that changed my understanding of who I was came with David Flink. And just take it. Link. Um, he calls me and he's interviewing for like the, the coordinator position. He goes, do you have any learning disabilities? And then I said, yes, yes. I have something called simple recognition disorder and something called ADHD. And he's like, awesome. And I remember thinking like, that's the first time someone was like said awesome after that without like wanting to pat me on the head. Does that make sense to you guys where they're like, oh, good for you. Right. It wasn't that. In my time with eye to eye, and I'm skipping over so much stuff, got kicked out of high school, uh, loved ditching classes, got into a lot of trouble. You guys can ask me about that later. But it was my first OI sitting in a room with like 27 people sitting like crisscross applesauce, like we're all like sitting around a room, throwing racquetballs against the wall, everyone. I felt like I belonged for the first time in my life somewhere and i don't know if that like resonates with anyone here but for me there was always a place of like i belonged as long as they didn't know mm. you know like whatever that mm is eye to eye and the oi was the first time i ever experienced a world where i didn't have to feel like i had to hide a part of myself and so um that's a good start of my story i think that help? Yeah. All right, cool. Done. <laughs> Happened. Um, I had a very similar experience with the OI. Um, I was 23 years old, and I was at Radford University. Go Highlanders. I know nobody in here knows what that is. That's all right. I'm by myself. I'm like that. That's fine. Um, and I remember being like, okay, I'll go to the OI. My MPC at that time was Sid, who we all know and love. And I entered a room where it was much bigger than 27 at this point. I think there was like 60 of them. So there was probably about double the size. And they were so excited, one, to be with each other, two, to be ND, and three, also to see me that I actually dropped a tear. Um, I did. Um, I will always remember the first time I ever walked into like an OI space. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely can identify with the belonging piece. But I did have a few questions for you. Can you tell me what was the inspiration behind creating Something Shiny? A wonderful podcast, by the way. So if you haven't listened to it, I suggest you go to the podcast store or whatever device you've got, download it, and press play. Okay, should I tell like the real story or like the, the marketing story? What do you guys want? Yeah, yeah, figured. Um, I am a person that thinks really big without any details all the time. 
And so if you were to ask me, hey, uh, do you want to save the world? I'd be like, yes. And then they'd be like, meet me at eight o'clock here. And I'd be like, no problem. Would I know what we were doing? No. Would I be enthusiastic? Yes. Um, something shiny came from, as I was working in therapy um, and researching ADHD and PTSD, I was doing trainings. And it was kind of cool because you'd get paid and you train other therapists to know things about ADHD or neurodiversity. And then all of a sudden I had a crisis of conscience about this, that we have a situation where there's a paywall in front of honest information. And I never really thought about it before, but you have to have a certain amount of privilege to know someone, certain amount of privilege to have money, to get accurate information in the world. And not only that, most people that are trying to push forward accurate information are selling something, right? Like it, it's hard to find a place where there isn't a sales push. And so what I really thought about is the big work around neurodiversity is around making invisible things visible. When we can increase the understanding of things, we decrease suffering. Just like a big thing. And so I want to do whatever I can to create evergreen words. What I mean by that is like podcast is going to be there forever. People can reference it forever to make sure that there's a baseline level of understanding for neurodiversity in this world because it was sorely needed. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. I remember sharing with you that there were a couple of episodes where they just really spoke to me. You were talking a bit about um, qualifiers and how we as neurodivergent people tend to say before we say like an idea or a suggestion like, hey, I know this might sound ridiculous or hey, not sure if this is a good idea um, and how that kind of affects the way that we, we move throughout society and how it's a good thing to kind of try to remove the qualifiers like what you have to say is enough. And um, I, I remember you mentioning something about how um, and even when it comes to like play activities, like, okay, I'm not really good at this. So mm -hmm. I might, I might be bad. He kind of like takes away from the play atmosphere and doesn't allow you to kind of like settle in and relax and be yourself. Um, so just different topics like that I've found have really kind of made me feel really seen and really heard. Like a, oh wait, but like, that's a real feel we just had right there. <laughs> Swear word. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, it was so, there's this idea that I think you're getting at that, that I'm really excited about what all of you are doing. When we've experienced something in the world, we can make a choice to make it better for someone that follows us. We know where the sharp branches are. We know where the speed bumps are. We know those feelings. It's a cultural piece of learning differently of neurodivergence. And so like, how can we ignore that culture? And then like, can I make this like super hyperbolic for a second? Like, okay, perfect. If you are part of a neurodiverse community, if you are neurodiverse, it's very, very hard to grow up without neglect. What I mean by that is this isn't about like people starving you out. This isn't about like people ignoring you or not talking to you. It's about the people that love you don't know how to help. We don't know what we need right? Like I wasn't born with like a book. They're like, here, this is what you're going to need for your life. I'm like, oh, thank you. Random person with this book. Like that never happened. So, so when we can, like the only way to attend to neglect, and I talk about this, you know, at work all the time is you can't neglect neglect. You have to attend to it. 
And so like asking like an ADHD person or a neurodiverse person, like, how do you learn? If I were to ask that question, I don't know, I don't know, 30 years ago, the answers might be like very hard. I use a lot of energy and I, I study hard. It would be about the effort, right? Like it hurts and it's good that it hurts. And I think that like, we all kind of bought into that on a certain level. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't have to hurt. No one's talking about that. How can we validate that it's okay to swivel on a chair? I don't have a chair in my office that I can't swivel on. It would cost too much energy in my life to sit that still. And so it's about speaking to the things that are very hard for us to own that we all feel like are going to make us get rejected. What I've learned is like when we can talk about them, you feel more part of a community, not less. Thank you for that. Can I ask you, so obviously we're just talking about this, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all, this big sense of belonging in both of our, me and Delilah sessions today and how we wanna make sure that our participants and even you guys feel like you belong. And so I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of what we just were talking about. Um, what inspired you to make such a safe space for those who are ND, neurodivergent? Okay, I'll start this story with a with a really cool statement. We we've I have a couple of people that work with me at the Willow Center. I I really heart the people that work with me more than I could ever articulate. So like I'm not gonna just fall apart right here, but please know that's real. And at the end of the year, we wanted to talk to them about like what's been going well, what could we do differently. And one of them told me like, hey, just so you know, didn't bother me at all. But just so you know, during the interview, like your energy was pretty big. I was like, oh yeah, it definitely was. And they're like, and, and it didn't bother me at all, but I could see that bothering somebody. And I smiled. I want somebody to see that energy right away. That person saw my energy, didn't mind it. We work really well together now. And so what I've learned is that we have to take steps to own who we are and not mask. What I mean, does everyone know what I mean when I say masking? Like hiding, it's like hiding the parts of us that look different than anyone else. It's like, oh, no, 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 I read books all the time with words. You know, that's what I do. I read books. I sit still. What did you do over the weekend? I read a book and sat still. You know, like the, there's like this whole world that we're trying to be a part of. And I think like it was it was very hard to realize that there's a really, like for me, I think about the world in two ways. There's emotionality and there's task. They're both important, right? But if the task is understanding what the book says, does it matter if I read it or listen to it? Does it matter if it hurts or not? And so like, yeah, it's, I think creating safety is looking at comfort, looking at being who you are, and taking away the masks, like in the beginning of today, saying like, I haven't done this sitting down and you're going to see me move a whole lot, which I certainly haven't disappointed. Right. But like immediately take that mask off. Yeah. And I feel like that just creates like a, a place where people feel like, you know, I can relate to that. Like I told you, I was listening and I was like, OK, I'm listening to this podcast, figure what it's out, you know what it's about. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden you say something about, you know, when you're in D, why does rejection hurt so badly? And I was like, you know what? It really does. Mm -hmm. And then you were just like, 
because there's so much negative connotation around being ND from neurotypical people. And I was like, you know what? There really is. So it's just like, it's amazing how, you know, that can also create places, not only just to feel safe, but just also feel like heard. Yeah. And I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, I just like wanna, like, we're talking about self-esteem. Yeah. And we're talking about a sense of worth. And like, how do we feel worth? Yeah. And I think we're often used to getting our sense of worth from other people. And I think when you can find roles in the world to do things, to make a difference in someone else's life, I think that changes the way you feel worth. And I think the big secret with mentorship, right, you know, is that it's reciprocal. And what I mean by that, just, just careful now, whatever you are doing to help somebody younger than you, right, you're actually getting that same help yourself. It comes back to you. There were times all of a sudden we're like, I remember getting ready to an art, go to an art room. I'm like, oh, I better like do these three things that I said I was going to do last week because I don't want to let my mentor down or my mentee down. Does that make sense to anyone here? But like, if they weren't there, you probably wouldn't have done all three of those things. Maybe two of them, maybe one, maybe you'd think about doing one, but then not actually do it. Right? So there's like a power to making a difference in other people's lives. And I think it's important. I would agree with that. Um, okay, so I wanted to ask about when is the first time you felt truly accepted as an indie person? Was it with eye to eye? Okay, like, yes. Yeah. I mean, it was. Okay. This is this is a facet. Eye to eye made me feel accepted and valued for having differences in the way I learned for that neurodivergence. I had never felt that value before. But like, aside from eye to eye, because I have to say this, like, there's more places in the world than eye to eye. My brother, my partner, my friends. And I think the people that we hang out with, that we surround ourselves with, become so much about where, like, what our trajectory looks like in life and what we believe in ourselves. And what I realize now is my friends, my brother, my partner, they believed in me before I did. And I was able to learn from that. That makes sense. Is that like fit? Like, no, it made sense. Okay. Okay. Done. 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 Boom. What made you to decide to become a therapist? I started wanting to save the world that I saw that was on fire. So, being the neurodivergent kid in a place without a lot of services for neurodiversity, I'm like, last thing I want to do is be a therapist because my experience with therapists weren't that great. They're kind of annoying. So I'm like, I don't want to be, definitely don't want to be a therapist. But what I do want to be is a special education teacher that teaches history because, oh my God, is the history in this country messed up and we're teaching a lot of lies. So like, how could I be the one that like fix all of education and help my students find the world in front of them as accurate, like all that stuff, right? And then I went through a bunch of education classes, like all of them. I was about to go to student teaching. This is such an ADHD moment. And they're like, <laughs> I remember I was in this class. And I'm like, we're, we're learning a lot about lesson planning, but how do you like bring in your own books to the lesson plan? You know, like, how do you teach what you want to teach? And people are laughing because they know the answer was, oh, you don't get to do that. And it, it was like, I was far into education at this point. I'm TAing psych classes because they're easy and I don't mind them, but like who would actually want to do psychology? Not me. 
I was wrong. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so what I ended up doing was leaving education. I talked to my psych professor that I was friends with because I'm TAing her class. And I'm like, I just don't know what to do now. I can't, I'm like three years, it was two and a half years in the school and I'm not gonna be a special ed teacher now. And well, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> and like, got like, just bless this person for having like compassion on me. They pretty much didn't slap me around or roll their eyes, but they're like, you, you know, did you ever think about psychology? You're pretty good at it. And I was like, ah, ridiculous. Fast forward. <laughs> um, what I learned is that I could be the difference. And what I learned is that I believe every life in this world represents a world. I think everyone, like this is a galaxy. In front of me, I'm looking at a galaxy of stars. And for me, I think it's incredibly important to save the world. And I see that value in every person. And so I felt limited in education that I could only work on, I'll just be a little like biased here, helping people become better consumers and producers versus how can I help people find what they want in this world and destroy the things that don't matter? Wow. Mic drop. It's a good mic. I won't do that. Yeah, it's actually a really good mic. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't have to like eat it to be loud. Like it's, it's like, yeah. yeah, this is good. Out here. Yeah. Not bad. Spectacular. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Can you tell me what tips would you give to young adults about navigating being neurodiverse in a world that's not necessarily made for them? Right now, you're seeing the Rolodex of thoughts in my head go to an appropriate thought. Like, nope, 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 nope. Um, what I mean by that is this world is not built for you. This world is not comfortable. This world makes things worse and you make it better. The second we pretend like it's not like, you know, it actually is built for us. We just need to take advantage of it. No. And I think we need to honor those parts right away. That feels much better to me. Like, okay, can I just give an example on like how this world is just doesn't make sense? Okay, let's just think about dyslexia for a second. We actually know that if we take letters in dyslexia and we wait different and put shading in different spots that it stops the letters from being flipped around. It's easier to read, right? Dyslexic font, does that make sense everyone? So why isn't every book printed like that? A neurotypical person could read that book, but now everyone else can. The fact that we sit in a world and I'm going off, like I have nothing but respect for teachers because they're so good, but we sit in a world where you have every answer you want in your pocket. You have a phone in your pocket that can like tell you what things mean in other languages. Like it can do anything, right? But we're still working a school system that teaches people to remember answers and not ask questions. So not built for us. And don't apologize for who you are. Find the supports you need and make that space. Like how comfortable do you all feel in this room right now, honestly? Uncomfortable? Do you guys feel uncomfortable right now? Like, what's different? Because you're sitting here listening to someone talk at you for like a long time. Why does this not totally suck? Okay, talking fast. I'm moving. I'm saying risky things. This entire thing is an accommodation for neurodiversity. 
You should see neurotypical people. Like they can't handle this energy. I actually have to talk more like this and I can't move around as much. Oh yeah, you saw me just right, right away code switch. And I think that's an important feeling that you've had neurotypical person. But no, like that doesn't work for us at all. And I think it's about like how you, like this is what you all do in every room you walk into as an eye to eye person, like for real. Okay, so what's one thing you want our participants to leave this chat with today? Couple things. Okay. We're gonna get a suitcase. Okay. And uh, no, no, forget a suitcase. We're getting a mixing bowl. I want you guys to get a mixing bowl in your mind. Okay. And I think I want you all to leave with a cup more of understanding in that mixing bowl, just a cup. Okay. And I think you need to crack two pieces of compassion on that understanding. I need you to meet with other people for a while and then bake it. No, I mean, like the real thing that I need you all to do. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Don't be afraid to say something people might not want to hear. Don't be afraid to ask for things. And anyone that makes you feel like you're less should not be in your life. I agree on that. Definitely. Aside from that, you can ask me any skills around how you can read or do different things. I want to answer questions around like skills that people want to know how to like brain hack stuff. But like, yeah, I need you to know you're not you're not like deficient. You're not damaged. You're awesome. Stay tuned for the second part of this fireside chat, which will feature questions from the audience. They're really, really amazing. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing. Stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.